AM 630 The Word is proud to feature our Church of the Week. Our desire is that you will get to know the pastors and churches in our community and find a church you and your family can call home. Here's the host of our AM 630 The Word Church of the Week program, Director of Ministry Development, Marcus Burgos. Thank you and welcome once again to AM 630 The Word. This is the Church of the Week program and I am your host, Marcus Burgos. You know, I was thinking... Uh, in the book of Genesis, there's a, a promise of a covenant, and, and it's so attractive to me. It's when God is speaking to Noah, and he says, I'm going to confirm my covenant with you. And I, and I love that because he found favor with Noah, or, or I should say the other way around. Noah found favor with God a couple of verses earlier. And then, and then he gives Noah some instructions. He says, hey, build, build this thing that has never been seen. Build this boat. And then later on, after Noah's in, in, in the job doing it, he says, I'm going to confirm my covenant with you. And then he says, get in the boat. And so a lot of times we're, we're in trouble or we're facing trouble. We think something is coming our way in a situation like Noah. There was trouble coming. Rain was coming. But what Noah had built, little did he know, would be his, what saved him, what saved his family. And I, I, I want to challenge you today. You're working on something. You're, you're, you're called of God. You have a, a desire to do something. God, I believe, is wanting to keep you from some of the trouble that you're facing. And that trouble is something that you're working on. So don't be afraid to work on your family. Don't be afraid to put your talent to work. Don't be afraid to put uh, to work what God has put in your hands. Because it's, it's, it's likely, as in Noah's case, what he did with his hands saved his family. And God was in it. And so we, we look for that and we look for God to to keep you and keep you safe and to there's some trouble that you can't avoid but there's some trouble man that we look to God God help me and get out of this one and a lot of times it's that ark that we've been working on that'll keep us out of it and so today we're back in the studio in the AM 630 the word studio church of the week and I'm here with uh, one of our local pastors and I'm I'm so happy to be here because you guys have heard me most of the time I say this I appreciate the national speakers. They travel the globe preaching the gospel to in arenas and to millions of people. There's a special place in my heart, and I believe in God's heart for the local pastor, that man, that woman that, that stays around, that man that, that uh, answers the phone when the baby is sick and the fever won't break and visits in the hospital and celebrates our weddings and, and babies and, and all these good things. And they're there with us. And today we have one of those men here with us. He is the senior pastor of, Bapt- of the Baptist Temple. He is George Zayaspasan of Baptist Temple. He's a senior pastor. George, Pastor George, thank you for coming out today. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate this. Uh, I'm, I'm excited because I learned something. I had a, I had a suspicion uh, about you. And today I finally asked the question, where are you from? And you, you told me you're, you're from Cuba. You were born in Havana, Cuba. So g- give me a, just a little bit of, of that. How was that experience for you? Well, you know, I came here as a refugee in the 60s, and I really don't remember anything about uh, Havana except for the stories that I hear from my family. And yeah. as I get older, I realize that those stories had a fairy tale aspect to them. So there's a, but I do remember growing up in Miami. I grew up in the inner city, and, uh, you know, we were poor, but you, you really don't know that you're poor. Mm-hmm. And uh, I grew up in a life without uh, Christ. We were, I was raised nominally Catholic, 
So that means that at points in my life, I had to go get First Communion and that sort of stuff. But really, uh, with more of a curiosity about God than uh, than a knowledge of him. More, more curiosity, and, and you didn't have the answers at that point. Right, even though the answers were out there, I guess I was not, it wasn't my time yet. Yeah. Uh, I know that people had uh, tried to share the gospel with me as a teenager, and I really didn't even understand what they were talking about. It wasn't uh, that I didn't like it, so I didn't, I, I did not have a clue. It didn't click. I, I was uh, being raised by my father, right. uh, and he died when I was 17. At that point, uh, it became a real struggle. Suddenly, eternity was a real thing. Mm. And uh, through a variety of circumstances, I wind up attending an inner city church in Miami, uh, and this was my first experience with the Protestant church. It turned out to be a Southern Baptist church, and uh, I learned some things about Southern Baptists that turned out not to be universally true. Mm -hmm. This church was multicultural. Uh, this church was poor. This church had a heart for community ministries in the city, and it was not like uh, what you think about when you think about these first Baptist churches and these big churches. It was right. very tiny. But uh, they had something that I still couldn't articulate, but I knew I wanted, and so I was led to faith in Jesus Christ when I was 18 years old. So tell me, tell me a little bit about that. I don't, I don't want you to rush past that. How, how was that experience for you, being led to Christ, making that, responding to that, to that call? How was that for you? Well, what I looked at was that my life, I wasn't happy with my life. It was wrong, and, I, and this church, especially the pastor's family that I got to know well, it was a different world that they were living in. We're living in the same Miami, same crime, same all this stuff, but they have a different mindset than I do. They had a different worldview, a different heart. They loved me. And uh, Miami is still very racially separated. Mm. You know, uh, there's still issues there. And I'm not just talking about black and white. I'm talking about different shades. You know, That's Puerto right. Ricans and Cubans and Dominicans and, you know, everybody's got their own thing. And yet they didn't care who I was. I was uh, a child of God in their eyes. And as I learned more, I realized that it was faith in Jesus Christ is what they told me they had. And I wanted that. So I took steps of faith, baby steps. I had a childlike knowledge of faith that uh, I didn't know more for many years of going through Sunday school and kind of figuring these things out and realizing how much there really was, how simple it was, but how much it, there was to know. Isn't that great about uh, the walk, a walk with the Lord that it's, it's, it is simple. The gospel is not complicated. For God so loved the world that mm -hmm. he gave. You know, it's, it's, re it's a real simple concept. We, we tend to to uh, complicate it, but it doesn't have to get complicated. Even though you you learn more and you study and mm -hmm. and and you go into higher learning into into what the Bible says, it doesn't still have to be complicated. Well, you know, uh, the pastor of that church was a retired railroad foreman. He he graduated high school, and it was a big deal for his family to make sure he graduated high school because this was during the Depression and World War. Uh, too. And so he was able to do that. And so he he did not uh, have a term. He didn't go to seminary. He didn't mm -hmm. go to college. But he knew the King James. Boy, he knew that backwards and forwards. <laughs> and he interpreted it for me. Yeah. So uh, it was the example, not some great learning that I was getting. And then later on, uh, there was uh, some Sunday school teachers that were, you know, country folk, you mm -hmm. know, and they... Uh, they didn't use big words. They didn't teach me Greek. You know, my first Greek word was agape. They didn't teach me that. <laughs> and uh, But I, later on, I realized that what they taught me was how to live the Christian life. 
It was their example, their loyalty, their love that spoke louder than the sermons that I was hearing, which were, by the way, learned sermons at this point in this church. But yeah. still, it's always so. So I've always had that in the back of my mind that Christianity and discipleship is more caught than taught. Than taught. I love that. I love that. And in your your devotionals this week, you you talked a lot about that. About that, you talked about mentoring. You talked about uh, we're not called to make new converts, mm-hmm. but to make followers of Christ, disciples. Mm-hmm. You know how, how how do you how do you look at that? Could you unpack that a little bit more? It, well, I've struggled trying to teach people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Iwana program to me is one of the greatest discipleship programs I had ever seen, because the kids were memorizing specific scriptures and they were getting little words. And I thought we need to have that for adults. Right. You know, I need to track these adults so I know when I made a disciple. You know, because I'm thinking it's like baking cookies. Yeah. You know, you need to put the right ingredients in there. You need to turn the oven on, and a when it's ready, of this it's ready. And a pinch of that. And if you don't do it right, you burn it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I look back into my life. How did I get discipled? And I'm thinking, you know, because I early on I felt to call to more and more and more, uh, but I realized I was doing all that on my own. The church, you know, I go to back then. We went to church uh, two hours in the morning, two hours in the evening, and two hours on Wednesday. Yeah. And even that is that is not enough to make a disciple. And I realized it was these two Sunday school teachers, Ben and Beulah, who uh, they were just living the Christian life and teaching me how to do that. And so now as I look at that, I realize that there's no program that I can put together. I mean, I can bring knowledge, but the, tr- the heart has to change, and we really need to, to look at that and to spend time with one another and create that heart change. So to me, that sounds like being available. Mentoring sounds like mm-hmm. exposure. Mm-hmm. You know, how do I how do I do this particular thing? You know, because I can't be with you mm-hmm. the whole time. You can't be with me the whole time. But there is exposure to to life. You know, what do I what do I do today? You know, and so somebody, a, a, a person that is new in this, needs to walk with someone. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I look at what Paul told Timothy. Yeah. You know, these things that I've told you in front of many witnesses yes. teach to reliable people. And so uh, right now, God's people are everywhere, right at this moment, at every crisis. Uh, recently, uh, a woman had a loss. Uh, her husband died. And my wife was there to, well, to, to ask if I could do, you know, if they wanted me to, to visit, to do the funeral, to do these things. Uh, I wasn't there. I didn't hear about it, but my wife was, and right. that's repeated everywhere. You have all these people everywhere, Christians, at the moment of need, and uh, we need to prepare ourselves and be ready to, to offer a word of comfort and point people to Jesus. So you have, at this point in your, in your story, you've made a, a, you, a decision to respond to the call to to knowing Christ and you're learning and you're you're you know you're getting exposure, but there's another decision that you have that you have made today. Mm-hmm. You're a pastor of a church. When and and how was that decision? How was that moment for you to say not just be a a Christian, a mm-hmm. follower, but to become a leader in the church? How was that for you? Well, it wasn't really a moment. Okay, you know it. Uh, I, I hear people saying uh, surrender to the ministry. And it wasn't like that. It wasn't a struggle at all. It was not a, a fear. It, I didn't even know I was being called. Yeah. I remember speaking to the pastor, a very young Christian. I'm in the choir. 
and he's preaching these awesome sermons about service and about ministry. And I told him I, I wanted more. You know, I wanted to be more involved. I didn't know how to do that. Many people don't know how to get involved in the church. The pastor thought I was saying I had a call to ministry. And I said, I don't have a call to ministry. You know, I don't know what that means. You know, uh, certainly, well, he said that what I'm being called is to the normal Christian life. Okay. And what he meant was that, you know, so there was an opportunity to serve as an RA leader. And I did that. Uh, I didn't know what I was doing, but I did. And I volunteered for a few things. Some things were not meant for me. You know, okay. I was just completely lost, and but I did the Royal Ambassadors program, and that was okay. And I guess I showed such enthusiasm, and the pastor saw something in me that he made me— well, I made myself the commander of the Royal Ambassadors. Yeah. Uh, there was only one class and one teacher, but now somebody had to be the commander. So yeah. I made myself a commander, recruited two more teachers, and started two classes. So that that impressed him. It, it impresses me now that I say it out loud, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't know what I was doing, so I just did it. It looked yeah. like I saw it on paper. And uh, he made me the Brotherhood Director. Uh, it, it, that's not a big deal. It sounds a big deal. Yeah. We didn't really have a men's ministry there yet. But he thought maybe I could start one. But mainly what he wanted me to do is now serve on the church council and learn what's going on. I, I, was this, I thought this was pretty good, you know. So I committed myself. I was in the Marines at the time. Mm-hmm. I got orders to Maryland, and I committed myself to start a new church in Maryland. Because in my mind, there are no churches in Maryland, right? right I mean, that's right. the north. Yeah. You know, that's where the lost people are. <laughs> so I go there, and I'm surprised to find out there's a new church start in progress, and they don't have a pastor yet. Uh, so I offered not to be the pastor. You know, I offered to be part of the team, stuff like that. The new pastor came. It turns out that he was a man with a vision for mentoring. Mm. And he, he decided to mentor me. Uh, and... Uh, so he he knew I had some kind of call to ministry, and we're trying to figure that out. So I became the minister of youth for the church and somewhat associate pastor. Now, really, I'm very young, and I don't know what I'm doing. And I didn't realize until later that the deacons were watching me very carefully. Like when he was on vacation and I was in charge, yeah. uh, as soon as something bad happened, suddenly they were there. They right. were like, don't worry, we, 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 we're behind you. We'll walk you through this. And I thought, what a loving thing to do, you know, and and what a surprise to me because I thought, oh, my gosh, somebody died and and the pastor's gone. What am I going to do? So that that slowly was – so I spent a a Mm two-year mentorship under him, and he would expose me to things. And so I had some very good pastors in my life who poured themselves into me and showed me at the level that I could understand what I needed. And so uh, I went through college while I was in uh, in the Marines. You know, they paid for it and right. finished. And I went to New Orleans Seminary uh, to, uh, you know, to continue my studies there. Uh, I don't know why I picked New Orleans. Uh, there was a lot of political reasons and reasons, you know, how far will they move me. Right. And New Orleans is as far as the, the Marines would move me. And so I went there and I uh, discovered a call for inner city ministry. Uh-huh. You see, I left Miami at 18 because I did not believe that a Christian could live in Miami. Really? Really. Uh, There were too many temptations there. Uh, A a few of my friends went to prison Mm -hmm. for dealing cocaine. Right. Which which you wouldn't even think was against the law in Miami. You know, these were good boys. They weren't... uh, weren't not even as bad as I was, and I wasn't a bad boy. Right. (laughs) You know, they, they had good families, good money... Good, you know, really good things, and they're dealing cocaine because everybody else is doing it, and uh, well, and they went to prison for it. And in fact, one of my friends is still in prison because wow. uh, he kept doing it. 
right <laughs> and uh and one is dead yeah. you know uh, in a gunfight so these were the things that i was running away from in miami i wasn't quite involved in it yet but i was just a child so it wouldn't be long before my friends talked me into this and i had this sense of adventure that drove me into you, the Marine so Corps. you would have been there uh, easily easily yeah. I, I, because i just not because i was bad mm-hmm. i just had this sense of adventure it's what everybody's it. doing is what right. is what is being done there yeah and did i tell you i'm cuban i thought that's what cubans did <laughs> exactly so uh so i left and i joined the marine corps and that kind of changed my trajectory uh completely but i was running away from the city so for me to wind up in new orleans as an inner city pastor and when i'm saying inner city i'm talking right outside the french quarter yeah uh, to do that was a surprise to me. And then circumstances in my life continued to change to the point where I committed myself to, uh, to working in the inner cities of, the, of America. That's, that's so interesting. That, that piece of, the, of your testimony, what you ran away from, God called you to and, and placed you there. You know, you're running away from inner city, mm-hmm. and God says that's where, that's where I want to have you. So how, your, your burden for inner city is is great and and you wound up there mm-hmm. uh and so now now from there how do you end up in san antonio oh you know i i worked in uh in new orleans in miami and chicago and uh even in maryland which was the most rural place i ever worked <clears throat> i was two hours from washington dc okay i didn't realize that we had members of our church who would commute to washington dc they got to live in the rural areas uh, so that that was slowly forming. Yeah. And so this, uh, so I decide when I'm in Chicago that that it's over. You know that my ministry in Chicago is done. There was one point I lived there for 17 years planting churches. I mean, this is of all places, this is the one that seems to I lived longest. Right. Uh, but it was time to go. And uh, San Antonio Baptist Temple called me. Uh, right away, I thought there was something strange in the uh, interview. You know, uh, the woman who called me, his name was Delia, so, and she had an accent, you know, a, a typical accent from, from here. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's my mind in the church. Now, the church had a reputation for being older and white. Okay. But everyone I'm meeting in the beginning is not white. Right. And somewhat younger. And they have a vision. They they see me in my uh, footprint that I left on the internet. They see me as a pastor that will lead them back to who they were uh, in the past when they were a church that was community oriented, mm. and that's what they wanted. And so I was excited because the church had a beautiful building. Uh, they had a lot, a lot of people. They had like two hundred people or so. They had a lot of money that they had sold a property and they had money in the bank. So I figured, you know, they in their eyes they were dying. Right. In my eyes, you have resources here that churches are trying to get to. Mm-hmm. So you have more than a small church would have. So yeah. I figured, you know, we and they had so we we could work this out. And so I got there and I began to discover that the church had a heart for community ministry, uh, and that's what they were why they were interested in me specifically. And so we began to work at that to develop the community ministry. It wasn't a struggle. I didn't have to change the church or anything like that. This was in their heart. This is what they were doing. If their heart had been something different, I'd be a completely different pastor. It, though I would be different now. Yeah, yeah. But this is what they wanted, and it and it created me to be more community ministry focused. So it was a good marriage. Yes. And so you you got to church. Now, how long has it been? How long have you ten been years? 
Ten years. Okay. Uh, ten years the church has been there, and we've been through a lot of changes, you know, uh, turnover. We've had a lot of deaths. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and when uh, one of our patriarchs or matriarchs dies, we lose the whole extended family. Yeah. You know, That's they would right. come for Mother's Day and all these events. So that, that kind of uh, is a bit of a shock as the church changes, but it's beginning to look more like the community as new people come in. And so... Uh, and actually, you know, we have a huge building. Our building is 80,000 square feet. Wow. We have uh, three acres, and we have uh, several, you know, our big buildings are interconnected. There's four yeah. of them with three stories. Yeah. And then we have a couple of outbuildings. So we have all this space. You and, know, I, I'm, I, I took my boys to some programs in, in your buildings there. Mm-hmm. So tell us, tell, we're talking about your buildings, and the listener uh, doesn't even know what we're talking about. Where, where are you guys located? We are uh, right on 10, uh, uh, just uh, uh, near New Braunfels. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're actually on Geavers and Drexel, but, you know, uh, our back is, is I-10. Right. Uh, it's, a, it's a massive building. You can't miss it when you pass by there. You know, uh, if you're coming from one direction, you see the McDonald's, the next thing you see is our building. Yeah. And so, so what's the address? Is it 901? It's 901 East Drexel. 901 East Drexel, um, right off of 10. Yes. Uh, you take the Geaver's exit and, and, and it's right there. Right there. You're going to hit it if you don't turn. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so you guys, you guys do a lot of different programs well, uh, for we have, the community. Sure. We, ha- we have this big building. And my first challenge was uh, we're spending a lot of money on utilities. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you know, me being the old man, you know, <laughs> we turn off all the lights. Yeah. If you're not using it, turn it off. And, but I found out that we had too many lights. Uh, even the lights that we needed were too much. So I figured that we're not going to save money by turning off lights. So what we need to do is we need to operate this building uh, 24-7. We need more people here. So we opened our building up to other churches. Mm. And at one point, we had seven churches meeting. Oh, wow. We're down to five now because a couple have gotten their own spaces. Excellent. So, but we still have a lot of room. I'd love to see 10 churches meeting. Yeah. Now, the idea here is that we share in the maintenance right. according to your size. I mean, you know, if we have a church of 30 people, they're not going to – uh, contribute as much as a church of 300 people. Mm-hmm. So we, we do that, but the whole idea is that we we try to do things together that uh, that small churches don't have opportunities to do. So we have a bunch of small youth groups that meet together as one youth group. And, it, and so uh, we have VBS. Uh, at one point, we had seven churches doing VBS together. I think that was our biggest point. Wow. Uh, contributing teachers, and, uh, you know, we're very careful to make sure that we sort the kids out at the end of the <laughs> of the VBS decisions. Yeah. <laughs> we know what church they came from, so those decision yeah. packets are given to the appropriate pastor. And uh, so, you know, but, but that's the beauty. We can have this massive VBS even yeah. though we're small churches. And so we have these churches meeting. We also have two schools. We have our daycare, which we've had one of the pioneer daycares in, in churches in San Antonio. And we have a charter school that goes up to the eighth grade. And uh, this fills our building Monday through Friday. Yeah. We have, uh, we have uh, some nonprofits and uh, service organizations that use our office space, you know, including uh, Metro uh, Health. Yeah. You know, had uh, shared one of our offices, one of our people there for a while. And, uh, you know, all, all these services for the community. The big, you know, community ministry things that we have is the Highland Park Community Assistance Network, which is a thrift store, a food pantry, and a community garden. Mm. And we offer classes on uh, a whole lot of life issues uh, for the community, for the church and the community itself. So how can someone that's listening and wants to get connected – 
uh, to one of the programs. Is, it, is there a place? Is that on the web? Where can we find you? Well, we, uh, we are on uh, mybtsa.org on the web, and that's a place that could point you to other directions. Our phone number is 210-533-7114. You can just call the office and uh, and we can direct you. We, uh, you know, we, we serve the needs of people. We also look for volunteers to help us with the community garden, you know, with the Highland Park Community Assistance Network. It's a ministry of the church, but it's a ministry that belongs to the community. Yeah. A lot of the volunteers and the workers there are uh, from the community. You know, I want to revisit something as we're, as we're coming back. And I, what I, well, actually what I want you to do, Pastor, is invite someone to church on Sunday. Won't you, won't you invite them to, to your service and to what time is your service and, and well, all this? We would love to have you worship with us at 11 every Sunday morning. We have a uh, uh, what people call a blended worship service. Mm-hmm. We have hymns and we have uh, contemporary music. We have a band. We have all those things. And come as you are. Some of our older adults, they like to wear a suit every Sunday to church, and they still do. And that's okay. They don't look weird. But mm-hmm. most of the people that come, you know, they'll come in uh, seasonally appropriate, you know, uh, Shorts and T-shirts and uh, a little bit more jeans and T-shirts when the cold weather hits us here and it gets into the 70s. So, uh, yeah, but uh, we'd love to have you. And, you know, at 5 p.m. we have a free meal for the whole community, and you're invited to that as well. What days is that? On Wednesdays. Wednesdays Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Wednesdays at 5 p.m. there's a free meal. Pastor, Pastor George, thank you so much for being part of the Church of the Week program this week. And uh, San Antonio, God bless you and get to church. Thank you for joining us today as we featured our AM630 The Word Church of the Week. We hope that during this past half hour, you got a chance to know the pastor and learn something about their church. We encourage you to get involved in your local community church. If you'd like to nominate your pastor to be featured on an upcoming Church of the Week program, submit your nominations at am630theword.com.